Welcome to the Joyfully Raising Grands podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lee. We are so glad that you joined us today. The Joyful Brand podcast and membership is geared towards grandparents raising grandchildren with a focus on community, resource, and love. We hope to shine a light on the positive actions we can take every day to become our best selves, serve our grandchildren well, and find joy every day. The Joyfield subscription box is open and accepting new subscribers. If you are a busy woman looking for a joyful experience, we would love to serve you in this way. Joyfield is a monthly subscription box curated for busy women with so much love and joy. Our goal with this box is simple, to give you a joy-filled experience. We know that you're busy, often taking care of others, and likely not spending time on yourself. Contents of the box are a surprise each month and themed. Often, products are attire, self-care, self-love, motivational items chosen with love and joy for you. If this sounds like something you would love, hop over to myjoyfilled.com to subscribe. On today's episode of Joyfully Raising Grants, we chat with Elena Fernandez. Elena is a best-selling author, internationally acclaimed storyteller, and an award-winning mom entrepreneur. I think you'll love this conversation with Elena, where she shares so honestly. She is so insightful and exquisitely details how to balance emotions and recover. She is a compilation of faith, action, and love. As a multiple-time trauma survivor, Elina's mission is to provide moms with skills, strategies, and steps to find peace, break unhealthy cycles, and to feel whole. Her award-winning emotional wholeness programs inspire millions of moms worldwide to transform their pain into positive growth. I know that you'll love this conversation with her as much as I did. So without further ado, please welcome Elina Fernandez. Ilana, I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Laura Lee. I am really honored to be here with you. Of course, I would love to just jump right in and uh, maybe we could start with a little background where you're from and what you like to do and, and what you're bringing to talk with us about today. Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> I'm from the Dominican Republic. And I grew up in a slum and I really love it to just remember and think back to the time that I spent with my grandparents and the connection that I had with them and just that rich relationship that they created for me. They were very accepting, forgiving, loving and they provided a template for me to know what parenting looks like. Um, because in my home, I didn't experience that those same feelings and those same, uh, you, you know, that same treatment. And so um, what I love to do, what I or what I like to do, as you mentioned, is to spread awareness as to what we need to do in order to provide our children with safe spaces so that they can feel their emotions, so that they can be themselves, and so that they can 
really thrive as emotionally whole adults in the future. And so that's why I'm here. And that's why I would like to, to chat with you and the audience, because I, I feel that through my experiences, I've learned a little bit through trial and error and mistakes and myths and misconceptions, and also doing the right thing without knowing. And I like to share those lessons with everyone who is tuned in. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I, I love the connection with your grandparents. Um, I grew up with that too. Uh, just a really great relationship, healthy and um, all things that that we would love to share with our kids. So I'm glad that you had that in your grandparents. I'm glad that you were able to, you know, pull that from them. And I'm sure your girls appreciate it today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You mentioned that you like to learn from experiences and share those. And I think that is a trait that is maybe underappreciated today. We, we live in this world, right? That wants this beautiful, perfect um, perception forward and oftentimes are missing valuable lessons in between. So I truly appreciate that. Yes, thank you. Well, I call myself a student of pain because I believe that everything that we experience is here to teach us something. If it hurts, you know, it's, I'm not invalidating the pain that, that we are caused uh, because I've been through that pain ever since I was born and throughout my childhood and my early youth, all I remember is painful. Everything I remember is painful. And, and yet now I'm able to look back at it and, and see what I learned from that and how I can help others, you know, turn those lessons into something that they can use to avoid further pain. So I really agree with that. And the, I think that the quality of learning, of being open to learning is one of the best qualities that we have as people, because I think that our experience in earth is one of growth. And that only happens when we are able to learn something. Yeah. So you referenced your, your childhood. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that looked like for you? Yeah, well, uh, you know, your typical slum is where you don't have electricity, you don't have running water, you go, you know, I used to go with my brother and fetch water from a river, and we wore hand-me-downs, and we were very blessed that, you know, amongst all the children, we were one of the few who went to school, and we could actually attend school because my parents really believed that education was the way out, and they were relentless about that, even though, you know, we could have worked and, and have better things or have things, period. Um, they knew that by us going to school, we were going to be able to have a different future. And so I re I'm really grateful for that. And so um, one story that I always like to tell about living in the slum is that one day, my brother and I, you know, we had a landfill right be behind the little shack that we uh, where we lived. And um, the landfill was our happy place. And this is where we found little toys and little trinkets and, you know, little treasures. And that's where I found a magazine. And in this magazine, I saw the children that had everything. I, I called it everything, right? They had all these yummy foods. They had all these, you know, 
fun clothes and jeans and sneakers. They had books and I loved books. My dream as a child was to own my very own book. Uh, I achieved that when I was, I think, 13 years old. I had my first book. It was a gift from an uh, from a friend of my family. And, um, you know, in that magazine, I saw these kids and I said to my brother, we need to learn this language so that we can live this life. And it was a magazine in English. And that's what set, you know, opened up my whole life because mm -hmm. for four years, I created all of these little ways to make money so that I could save up, enroll myself in school, uh, in English school. And that was when I was 11. And by the time I was 15, I had a job teaching others English. And then I was able to not only move out of the slum and go to college, but also get all these jobs because I was bilingual and later on trilingual. And that, you know, when I ended up in the United States, then I was able to know the language and, and my kids have had that childhood, you know, with the loving mom and the books and the and the clothes and you know it's it's really breaking the cycle of poverty and breaking cycles is my biggest passion mm -hmm. i think that we all have cycles in our lives that we can break and it didn't start with me but it can end with me beautiful you mentioned early on, or perhaps I have read this, that you you like to provide moms with skills and strategies. So do you do that through writing? And let's dig into that a little bit. Yes. Um, you know, storytelling is one of the most effective ways to heal. And so I think that when we share our stories, we give people the language that sometimes they don't have to heal their pain. So that's definitely one of the ways that I do that. And I do it through my writing. I do it through my books that I publish. I do it through my speaking. I do it through my coaching programs. So there are, there's a different, you know, there are different ways in which I interact with moms. And I really think that there are so many skills and strategies that we can use to heal and they're, they're sometimes free and or very inexpensive and they take only a few minutes and, and it could look like journaling uh, again because the storytelling is so important. Um, but one of the things that studies have shown uh, is that we, in order to journal effectively, we need to do it in the third person. Oh, I've not heard that. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it creates something called emotional distance. And so that's why, you know, if you go to my website, you'll mm -hmm. see that there's a story written about me once upon a time, there was this little girl and, and that creates emotional distance because when you see something from a different perspective, in the perspective of the narrator, you are able to learn more quickly from that pain. So for example, I don't know if this has happened to you, Laura Lee, but sometimes I am doing something and I say to myself, Elena, what are you doing? Elena, change that. And I talk to myself in, in second person, that also creates <laughs> emotional distance. But if I were to talk about myself like it's somebody else, 
it, it's even stronger. So one of the strategies that I always give my moms is talk to yourself. <laughs> and before, um, I used to think that people who talk to themselves were the crazy people. That's what I heard <laughs> growing up, right? But actually, talking to yourself out loud can help you really make sense of something really painful or really process something that is really burdensome for you. So that's a quick one that's free. And if you don't have the, you know, the safety to do that right now, like go to your bathroom. And even if the kids are outside, you know, knocking on the door and, and sticking pieces of paper or whatever, but you just need a couple of minutes. Actually, I don't know if you know, Jill Bolte Taylor, but she's a neuroanatomist. Neuro That's a, you know, it's a hard word to say for me. <laughs> but uh, she says that it takes 90 seconds to actually process an emotion, to let go of it, to ride that wave. So all you need is two minutes in your bathroom or wherever you feel comfortable and you just talk to yourself and calm yourself down just like you would calm your child i mean we've had we've all dealt with toddlers we know how to calm down a toddler and so it, it's calming our inner toddler our inner child and saying elena it's gonna be okay we can do this just relax you know not in an invalidating way but in a loving way that's beautiful. I will also say I, I've never, I, I don't think I've read her. I'll have to look it up, see some of her work. But I think that very often, not only do we not, you know, take the time to be in that moment to process, but the reality is instead of doing that, most often we are doing instead of just being for a minute and sort of sitting with that emotion. And when we act in that in that energy and don't allow the emotion to sort of process itself, then almost always we're acting in the wrong direction. We're going the wrong way. We are thinking the wrong things. We are doing the wrong things and acting in some sort of way that we are going to regret. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's awesome that you, that you brought that up today, because that was just a topic that I had just discussed this past week with a group of gals that I meet with. So it was pretty interesting to hear you say it like that as well. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because you know what, like there are different aspects of ourselves that get activated. So when we're in that really emotional place of sadness, for example, we're in that toddler you know, energy, but when we are in anger or activating that anger within us, which is a beautiful gift, anger is a gift to all of us. But when we act from the anger, then, you know, it it's really our inner adolescent that's acting out. And so anger is positive in that it will allow us to know what we value for example, if we feel that something is in, is uh, an act of injustice, we will know that we value justice because that makes us angry. So it's a very great compass to find out our values. And in that, if we process the anger, then we're going to get to that, that wise space and wise place and say, wow, I value that. Therefore, this is how I need to act in this moment. So our emotions are always 
guiding us and telling us what's happening inside of us, what's important to us, what we value, what's a sensitive spot. It's it's data driven. We can get so much information from our emotions if only we take a couple of minutes to just figure that out. And then that's going to guide us in the right place. Mm -hmm. So is this a part of your emotional wholeness program? Is this topics that you cover in the program? And if so, why don't you tell us a little bit about the program while we're here? Absolutely. Thank you for asking about that. Yes, my emotional wholeness program is definitely, you know, about this, this very core issue, because I think that when we process our emotions, that's when we have the opportunity to be emotionally whole. Pain is inescapable and unavoidable, we're going to go through that process all the times of our, of our lives. If we think about the, the first moment when we were born, we were born through our mother's pain or through our own pain, go, going through the birth canal or going through the surgery or, or even adoption is a painful uh, you know, it, it's a painful event. So when we think about that, we think about, okay, what, how do I become emotionally whole? Well, there are three parts and I guide my students through those three parts to understanding really how it works for them because this is an individual process. We tend to just say, oh, if you are frowning, you're upset, or if you're, you know, you're slumping, you are sad, but emotions are more complex than that. And, and even in different cultures, as an expression is different from in a different culture. So the three parts of the emotional wholeness process, the number one is going to be the literacy. And that means that when you're, you're emotionally literate is that you know exactly how an emotion is going to show up for you. It shows up in your mind as a thought, in your body as a sensation, and then in your spirit as something that, you know, it can kind of guide you it could be this connection it could be you know something spiritual that you feel immediately and then there's the emotional recovery and that's the second stage because we tend to want to be strong especially as moms and and grandparents and caregivers and mentors we know that little eyes are on us at all times so we, we want to present this emotional balance and, and strong place. But I'll tell you, you know, my 19 year old, she's out, out, out in college. And she said, Mom, this mother's and she calls me. And she says, Mom, the biggest gift that you gave me in life is that when I was bullied, you didn't want to be strong with me, you just wanted to cry with me. Hmm. You didn't ask me to be strong. You didn't ask me to move on. You didn't ask me to, to forget it. You didn't encourage me, motivate me or inspire me. You just cried with me. And that helped me feel safe. And so in emotional recovery, we need to understand that when we are grieving, that we are experiencing strong emotions, we need to allow ourselves a space of recovery. We cannot function exactly the way that we functioned when we were in grieving. And grieving, you know, has different stages as we thought, what we, we've talked about, you know, could look like denial, anger, sadness, acceptance, mm -hmm. and, and also bargaining. And 
you know, if you think like, well, you didn't say them in order because there is no order. <laughs> they happen in, you know, in, in so many ways. And so in recovery, we honor that space that we need to take for ourselves. And as caregivers, when we tell our children, hey, I'm going to take some space right now. I'm feeling really angry or I'm feeling really sad or I'm really feeling uh, like I am overwhelmed. That gives them the language to then say it to us as well and to take that recovery time for themselves. And the last part is really the wellness, the emotional wellness. And that means every day in having a routine. And again, it only takes two minutes and it's free. <laughs> and and it's easy to just see how it is that you process those emotions and that could look like coloring in a book or writing a little thing and or it could be like giving yourself a hug or taking a couple of these deep breaths or just simply moving your body because we forget how wise and how important that connection with our body is when we're healing from from emotional pain yeah. And I think this conversation and these topics are so important for this group of listeners in particular, because one, we, and we've talked about this on the podcast before that this group, especially has been through this grief process. We all know we didn't end up in this situation, you know, by, by choice, it was, you know, there is some traumatic event that has happened. And so there is absolutely a grief process and these tips and this thought idea of the emotional healing is just so important. Again, just so glad that we connected because I think that for, uh, in particular, women who are listening, these are these were are really good guidelines. And certainly, the program sounds like it would be just amazing for for folks to walk through. Thank you so much. Yes, I, I do. I do agree that you know taking on a responsibility, the responsibility of our children when we're in such deep, deep pain is just a, a, a courageous act. And that's what love is. Love is courage. You know, I, I have been through those dark times and I remember one in particular in which I was contemplating taking my life. And I became a single mom. My girls, my oldest ones were one and two. I have four girls. My oldest is 19. My littlest is two. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, I am on the, on the ground in the fetal position saying, you know, I can't do this. How am I going to look at my babies and play with them and, and watch cartoons? And can I even do that? Because I was homeless and a new single mom with no one that I thought had my back, no money, no, no place to go. And so we all find ourselves in those dark moments. And then we feel the weight of this responsibility that we not only have to be the fun person, you know, we have to be the provider. We have to be the emotional support when we are broken, we feel broken. And so I am here to offer hope that it is possible and also offer, offer this strategy because it does take these skills. I, I felt like that in that moment. And I feel like that in the moments in which I am not practicing 
my emotional wellness. I'm not taking time and it doesn't have to be, you know, it ad adds up. It's a compounding effect mm -hmm. because when these things happen, where we feel like the world is over is because we haven't taken those little moments and we are depleted emotionally. Yeah. Taking these steps is just critically important for, for everyone. And especially for women in the position sometimes that we find ourselves in. You have such a phenomenal history of deciding that you were going to take life into your own hands and be successful at it. And I don't want to not cover any of that because I think that it speaks to who you are. You call yourself in your introduction, a mompreneur, which I love. So do you want to talk about that? I think I want to talk about the power. I like the mompreneur because I definitely, you know, became a mom entrepreneur and both the, the way that I mother is like a business and the way that I do my business is like a mom. I think that, <laughs> that as moms, we underestimate all of the skills that we gain mothering and that they help us be better in business, better in relationships, better in in, in every aspect of our lives. So, so that's why I call myself that. But, you know, what came to my, my heart when you were speaking is really that there was this, this time in which I went through the darkest time of my life. And, and I feel compelled to talk about that because I feel that sometimes we talk about being positive and, you know, my blog is the positive mom, but it, we, we misconstrue and misunderstand what being positive is about. Because with this topic of grief, I remember I was going through this moment and it was a moment in which every single day I, I was looking everywhere for ways to kill myself. This, mm -hmm. is, this is the reality of my day. And you know what? I heard this well-meaning people who loved me dearly which I, you know, some that I didn't know they loved me, some that I knew they loved me. And they told me, Elena, everything happens for a reason. Elena, you, you should be grateful. And those were harmful thoughts for me in that moment. I think that we must start to get comfortable in just allowing people to feel their pain. And it was true. And now I see it. You know, I was kidnapped by this stranger. I was 19 years old and it was so horrible. And people would come to me and say, but he said he would kill you and you're still alive. So praise God, you know, that is a miracle. And I was like, it's not a miracle because I went through what he put me through. And then they would say, oh, but the pregnancy test is negative and you should be grateful. And I was not grateful because I still was focusing on what I went through. And then they would say like, oh, but he's, you know, he was caught and he's going to pay for his crime. This is great news. And I couldn't connect with that because before we motivate and look at the the gift which i can see now and i can definitely understand why it happened and that there is a reason the thing is that 
we need to praise not the event, but the person. The, the event is not the gift. The person is the gift. I escape. I am grateful for me. Yes. I, you know, was embraced by a woman, random woman in the gas station who is my angel. And I send her blessings every time I think of her. I am grateful for her. And I am grateful for her because she didn't ask me what's going on. I was covered in blood and she embraced me and she just sat with my pain and she was comfortable just hugging me, just looking in my eye, just putting her, the, you know, her hand in the back of my hair that was falling off from being pulled by this stranger. And I think that this is a message that I want to instill to everyone because, and there's, there's a poem in my latest book that's called Invalidated Ballerina. And it's like, we start telling people that it's gonna be okay that it's time to move on and that it wasn't a big deal and that other people go through other things and and we start to talk about our own pain and we don't allow people the space to just suffer because it's it's something hard you know and i am glad that i allowed myself to suffer for what happened because that's what kept me alive not the motivating things that people told me but the courage that I had in that moment to just choose life one day at a time and to honor myself that I could still live with the desire to die. I can be alive while I desire to die, while I, I'm angry at God, while I, you know, I'm angry at everybody, while I you know, hate men everywhere. Like all of this was real for me. And I allowed myself to feel it. And that's why I am still alive because I allow myself to feel the quote unquote negative emotions. They're not negative. They are painful. They are unpleasant, but they are very positive in that they're telling us what doesn't resonate. I didn't deserve it. And therefore <laughs> I was in pain. And so my, you know, my message is that this is why I have chosen to take charge of my life. And anything that inspires you about me has been a fight and a battle to find something to hang on to when there is so much pain in the world and to not be blind to the pain in the world, but to know that I can live and grieve at the same time, that I am not just one person who is depressed. I could be depressed and feel joy. And when, when I look at my child, I can you know, be grateful and sad. I can be angry and furious and still be happy and proud about something. I mean, I'll tell you, Lauralee, <laughs> when my daughter went to college it was the like cocktail I don't drink but if, if there's a cocktail that was one of emotions like I'm falling apart my baby's leaving home I'm so <laughs> proud I'm so happy for her I'm so you know it was like I'm so angry that we didn't have more time to do this before I was a mess and that is what humanity is all about yeah. One event can cause so many things. So don't erase the other 
parts. Don't tell me to be proud of my child. Of course, I am proud of my child. I'm also grieving that she's leaving my home. She's been, I've homeschooled her. I've been working from home. We spent 24 hours together. We've traveled <laughs> the world. I am going to miss my baby. I still miss her. It's been two years. And <laughs> And I'm still not recovered, but guess what? That's who we are as humans. So let's honor the the blend of emotions that we all feel. And I think, you know, as you said, you didn't choose this situation. And yet it's a joyful situation, even though, even though it's hard, even though it's messy, even though it's probably an inconvenience. I felt like that when I had my my youngest child. And she was the product of violence. Mm -hmm. And that is not happy. I was angry. I was suffering from PTSD. It was the first time I had to go to therapy because I wanted to, hey, I want to be happy and pregnant, but I'm not. Yeah. Not entirely. We don't, you know, this, comp like we want to compartmentalize happiness and joy and sadness and anger and and fear they're all there and 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 they're all valid yeah you you put that together in just a really beautiful way thank you for sharing with us thank you for having me well um yeah we could talk about coaching I think that's interesting because you know having a coach can be triggering. So when you have, mm -hmm. you know, a, a wound, an emotional wound with an authority figure in your life, and many of us do, you know, it's really, it's really hard to receive criticism from someone you admire. Even though if it's constructive, you know, even though you signed up for it, even though you love this person. And so one thing that I, I always like to say, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm, this person isn't coachable or something like that. And I think that we're all coachable. We just need to honor our emotions and, and to speak up. So having a coach is a very enriching experience and it can really transform one's life. It has done it for me. I've been coached for for, you know, by amazing people. And this is why I became a coach because I can see the potential of really guiding someone through a very difficult situation or toward a very fulfilling goal. And yet before you sign up for coaching, understand that there is a raw part of you that I, is going to be poked at unintentionally because you know this person doesn't know your wounds and so if you find that someone is poking at that wound um there's a book i'm sure you've read it the the four agreements by don miguel ruiz mm -hmm. is so beautiful and one of the agreements is don't take anything personally easier said than done i take things personally all the time <laughs> uh and yet i also have that that guideline for myself to understand when I have taken something personally. So when we are in any relationship with a coach or a mentor or someone, a teacher, someone in our lives that's guiding us, and, and this could be true for me with my mom, my dad, 
you know, when they're someone else is giving us advice from a place of experience, it's very easy. It's very easy to go into defensiveness. And oh my goodness, they don't like the way I do it, or they don't understand, or whatever that that voice is saying in our head. So taking a step back in any situation is going to help us really grab that nugget of experience, really lean into the learning and you know, know that anytime anybody is offering something for you, like right, right now we are you have a choice in the matter. You can take it or leave it, or you can transform it into your own thing that works for you, but give it a chance, mm -hmm. give it a chance, listen to it intently and try to find something that's there for you. And sometimes what people teach us is to not be like them or not do as they do. You know, I, I always say that I learned a lot of my motherhood skills really seeing what I what kind of mom I didn't want to be yeah so so yeah so I think being a student and being coachable is all about living in that curiosity wow I wonder how I can apply that in my life I wonder if that fits in my life I wonder you know how that's true yeah yeah I love the the concept of what you're talking about, and it's really just being open to um, ideas that may be different than what you have tried or experienced before. Many people are not that open. Do you have suggestions or recommendations to help someone sort of get in the right mindset to be open to these suggestions? Yeah, you know, I think uh, one of my mentors, her name is Byron Katie. She has this answer, <laughs> I guess, for, you know, when somebody says, Katie, you're so stupid. And she says, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then she looks for a part of her where she has been stupid and I try to practice that like you might be right and then the the what she says you know and I say because I learned it from her is let me find it and then I find it I'm like I'm so stupid I mean I did this like I said I touched the door and instead of pulling I pushed that was stupid. Oh my gosh, you're right. Uh, and then she goes a step further. And this is only if you have a good relationship with this person and you know where they're coming from. But she says, I know, I see it. I see I, I've been stupid so many times. What, how do you find it? And what part, you know, what did you see that was stupid that I did? Because you know what? We're all everything. I can say that if you call me selfish, I can find it. If you call me arrogant, I can find it. If you call me sweet, I can find it. If you call me loving, I can find it. We are not one thing. We are everything. And so that, I think, can help us really uh, bring down the judgment 
that we have for other people and be more open to what they have to say because everybody's perspective is valid. I was at, at a Disney Institute event last week and they said, how many of you have the value of integrity as one of your core values? So everybody raised their hand and then they asked us, how many of you think that all of your the people in your team or your company or your family have integrity as their core value and like two people <laughs> raise their hand <laughs> because the you know the the integrity means something different for so many people and there are different levels and perspectives uh, but we all think that we are we have integrity and we always find the lack of integrity in other people and there are many places where we lack integrity. So I think that being open starts with being humble and knowing that that we are not perfect and that that's the perfect thing because nobody is. And then when nobody's perfect, then maybe we're all perfect. And yes, even that man who kidnapped me and raped me and hit me with a baseball bat and was going to kill me. Uh, he had a perspective. He had pain. Was it right? No. I don't think it's right in any level, in any condition. And yet, he's a father. He's a brother. He's a son. He's a human. And so everyone has a perspective. Everyone has experience. Everyone has a reason for what they do is not justified, but everybody has something that we can learn from. And you may see them walking around, you know, houseless, or you may see them in CEO positions. It doesn't matter. We're all human. And one thing that unites us all is that we have been through pain and that that pain has shaped us. And it has shaped us in two ways, whether we process it like I have or we don't, like I, I'm sure that man hasn't. That is a healthy way to look at it for sure. Yolanda, tell me about the writing. Tell me about your some of your books. I'd love to share with our with our listeners your newest book. Thank you so much, because I'm really excited about that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it was, let me tell you the story of this book. My daughter comes home from, from college, and she's in her Christmas break. So we're going to spend three weeks together. And she says, Mom, I am joining a poetry challenge, and I want you to join it with me. It will be fun. And we <laughs> to, exactly. We need to one poem every day for 21 days nice and, and I was like uh I don't know about that in English like poetry in English because I used to write poetry my entire childhood that was my way to process you know painful things but I had never written poetry in English so I was a little bit intimidated especially <laughs> with my partner because she's uh She's just a beautiful poet, my my oldest daughter. And so <laughs> we did that for 21 days. We wrote our poetry. And the poems that I decided to write, I decided to, to turn my 
I call it turn my pain into poetry because I decided to take all of my thoughts, uh, my painful thoughts, my painful memories and my painful fears and turn them into a poem. And so I call it storytelling poetry because it's really telling the story of how things show up in my brain. And so that's suicidal thoughts. That's fears. That's inner critic thinking. That's experiences like when I was in a coma for eight days I know we didn't talk about that but that was through a car accident so experiences with death and I called it dancing with death and I also added a little bit of teaching about emotions that are coming from my emotional wholeness program and also I added some prompts so that my readers could also process their painful emotions, fears, and thoughts through using the book as a tool to do that, to give them the language that they need. Because sometimes it's really hard when you're in a dark place to even get started. So just having that permission and, and knowing that there's someone out there who, who understands them. And I'll tell you, Laura Lee, I was afraid of publishing it because it's not a happy book. It's not a positive book per society standards, but I think it's the most positive book I've ever written because it allows us to find, to get to that positive place, to find that peace, to feel that wholeness that we need to feel because this is the true nature of who we are. And also to break those cycles because when we get it out of ourselves, it's no longer in us. It no longer controls us. So where can people find the book? Where can they find you if they would like to work with you or get to know you better and know what other offerings you have? Thank you. Yes, I'm on Amazon uh, as Elena Fernandez. And that's also on my website. And my website is The Positive Mom and everyone can follow me. I'm on every platform. (laughs) at the positive mom so yeah I really love people I love to connect with people from all walks of lives and all places my platform is a global platform uh, that's rooted in diversity inclusion and representation so I really just lead with acceptance and understanding because sometimes what we don't accept is because we don't understand this so Whoever you are, I welcome you into my life. Uh, so I just I just want to make it really easy for people to contact <laughs> because I know that it can be intimidating and scary sometimes, especially when we have questions about our most painful experiences. You had mentioned earlier my moms. Is there a, do you have a community? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my community is the Positive Moms community, and we are just striving to be emotionally whole. And yeah, I call it my moms. We love it. Well, I will definitely put all of the links in the show notes so that folks can find you and see what you're up to and find you and your mom's community <laughs> if that's what they're looking to find. What would you like to leave us with? I always like to end the show with with some thought or idea or something that you'd like to leave our listeners with that you want them to remember about you, about life, about themselves. What would you like to share, Alina? (laughs) Well, I think, you know, how I talked about that moment in the fetal position on the ground, thinking my life is over. One thing that happened is that I, you know, 
I, I've had this inspiration and God put inside of me this verse in my mind of the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I didn't have a to-do list because I couldn't. I, I didn't know what step to take. Like, how am I going to get out of this this moment and I didn't know I didn't I couldn't come up with one step but I could come up with one be attitude and it Mm -hmm. was be positive and that's where my platform came from because we don't sometimes know what to do but we can make a choice of what to be and every single day I write a to be list and that is the most important list that I ever make because it really guides what I do. It really guides how I react. It really guides my relationships and it has transformed my life entirely. And it saved my life to know that I would be blessed, not because of what I do, but because of who I am. Blessed are the meek, the poor in spirit, you know, the people that that are compassionate, the people that are loving. And so that is the essence of why we're here is not to get caught up into what I'm, am I going to do, but who am I going to be and, and to whom and why. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thanks for your time today. You Thank are appreciated. You. <laughs> we each have our own journey that got us to where we are today. And for me, these conversations are so valuable. I would love to hear your feedback from today's episode. Let's connect on social and let me know. If you'd like to hear more from our guests today, please check out the show notes for links to websites, podcasts, and any courses that are available. As always, friends, thank you for joining me today. It is my pleasure to serve you in this way. There is joy in knowing that we are not on this path alone. If you found this podcast meaningful to you, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps elevate the algorithm and allows more grand families to find us. We'll see you next time.